Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome, guys. We have an incredible guest tonight who I have a huge amount of respect for. We have Miss Brandy Shotwell. In today's episode, we'll be discussing how to get started with lending, financing, from selecting a broker, getting a loan, what the requirements are, and the different types of loans available. Our guest, Randy Shotwell, is a principal at Reno Capital Management in Dallas, concentrating on debt and equity. With over 20 years experience in finance and real estate, Randy has had leadership involvement on over 1 billion in real estate projects, ranging from commercial developments to commercial acquisitions. She has organized and streamlined funding for development opportunities for municipal growth areas, manufacturing clients, multifamily investors, and many high net worth individuals. Prior to joining RCM, Brandy was vice president at HCM in Dallas. Prior to Edge, she was vice president of Coronado Bay Capital, where she was a top producing originator of the company. Previously, she was founding partner of Global Mortgage USA. Brandy attended Purdue University Northwest, where she studied business and marketing. So let's give a warm welcome to Ms. Brandy Shotwell. Let's go. Hey, Brandy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We're lucky to have someone of your caliber on the show. So thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. All right. So yeah, Brandy, I know you're busy. So why don't we jump right into the mix with a few with a few um, slow balls? Okay, let's do it. All right. So um, what are the trends that you're seeing um, going into the end of the second quarter? in the multifamily commercial sector with with lending? Well, the biggest trend that we're seeing is um, a lot of bridge loans taking place. Um, I'm seeing that uh, investors are still doing the value add strategies. And instead of, uh, well, right now, Fannie is not rolling in any CapEx into the loan. And so it makes it a little challenging for the investors and they're looking for alternatives. So going into this second quarter and actually in the first quarter of this year and the last quarter of last year, we're just seeing an influx in bridge loans taking place. Um, And, you know, we're also seeing the agencies kind of back out on those COVID reserves as well. So you know, they're, they're reducing it, reducing them or possibly, possibly depending on the uh, sponsor, they, they're able to eliminate them altogether. So that is, that's the biggest thing um, that we're seeing right now. Okay. And um, what brought on the decision to um, discontinue rolling in CapEx into the financing? Well, it was it was a decision made by the agencies, you know, um, and the the what I was told is that um, usually when you take a loan out with Fannie, 
and you have CapEx rolled in, you have a 12 month time frame on that right now. Many investors, sponsors do not uh, finish in that time frame all the time, but they work closely with their asset managers and get extensions from Fannie. But the goal is to get it done within that 12 month time frame. And if you don't hit that 12 month time frame, well, within that 12 month time frame, you're supposed to be able to um, go in, you know, perform your CapEx, execute your plan, stabilize the property, raise rents um, in that 12 month time frame. And how can you raise rents during a pandemic? You can't. Right. So Fannie, you know, they just felt it was not necessary to, and, and it's not the case for all, you know, for every market and for every property, but that was their thinking behind, you know, holding back on that. So the program is actually still there. It hasn't been eliminated, but they're just not lending on it as of right now. Okay. I see. Yeah. And I guess that does make sense. Cause like you said, yeah, you're not going to have trouble raising rents. <laughs> in this environment exactly yes and that that's how they looked at it i mean i've seen uh, a lot of sponsors and investors be able to raise rents during the pandemic and i've seen some that just you know kind of hit the pause button um until this is this is over you know so it's just hard to say and so for them it, it was a no-brainer to just you know stop it all together for now and see how the market performs and, and potentially bring it back later but with the way that they're pulling back on the reserves, I think everyone is is hopeful that we'll see that CapEx um, program come back, you know, very soon. Okay. Come yeah. back, come back to use. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, eventually. Yes. And from um, the activity that you've seen so far this year, do you see 2021 having a lot more activity than 2020? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, 2020 in Q1 and Q4, I think it was it was explosive for for, you know, most brokers in the industry. Um, but I think we'll see a lot more just because so many transactions did not happen, you know, in that mm-hmm. Q2 and Q3 of 2021. So we'll see a lot more volume um, in 2021 for sure. It's a lot of um, pent up demand. And, you know, investors are uh, active and, and ready to go. So I, I am seeing a lot more volume. Okay, yeah, well, that's good news. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, looks like, <clears throat> excuse me, everything is opening back up and they're discontinuing the what we call mandates on the mask. So things are starting to look up. So yes, yes, exactly. All right, so let's get a bit more technical on the lending requirements and current environment in the sector. So, okay. so Brandy, in your experience, what is what do the agencies usually look for in a strong general partnership? So they want to see, and especially, you know, they they've tightened up a bit during COVID, but they want to see a sponsor that has owned a similar size property for at least two years. And that's really what they're looking for in terms of, of, of um, experience. And when they say strong partnership, strong general partnership, they're looking for higher net worth requirements, higher net worth than what is required, higher liquidity 
than what is required. And just um, overall more experience and especially experience in the market that, you know, you're purchasing the property. Okay. And is that typically, is that what they want to see in the, in the lead GP? That's correct. So they want to see that. So the, so we've got the GP, but we also have the, not every person that is a GP actually signs on the loan as a KP. So I want to be specific in that. So if they are a guarantor on the loan, and I don't mean, you know, recourse, but if they're a guarantor on the loan or they're a key principal on the loan, we're looking for um, that particular, that, that's what we're looking for. More net worth, which is usually one-to-one uh, net worth equals to loan amount. Uh, the lenders typically want to see 10% post-closing liquidity, liquidity, but having more is very helpful during, during these times. Um, and obviously more experience. So the more properties that you have of the size of the property that you're getting ready to close on, the more experience, uh, you know, the, in, in their eyes, you have that, uh, you have more experience in that, um, in that space in terms of that size of property. Okay. And would they, if you, if you have a net worth without the experience, is that something you can get by with or are they pretty... Strict no, that is not. <laughs> yes, they are very strict on it and they actually tightened it up, pull, pulled it in a bit. So it's important to, you know, partner with someone who can bring that to the table for you if you don't have it, you know. So mm-hmm. that's the beauty of, of multifamily is that, you know, we look at the partnerships as a whole and not the, not the uh, investors as individuals. So it's important to pick your pick your uh, partners and your your team wisely so that you make sure that you can meet all those requirements. Okay, yeah, definitely, definitely. I was having that conversation with a colleague that, yeah, net worth isn't going to get you across the finish line if you don't have that experience as well, so. No, they want to see both, and they've been very adamant about it. Okay. And Brady, what, what do you recommend not doing as a general partnership? If you were, you had a general partnership and you saw them behaving in a certain way or doing certain things that you thought would put the financing in jeopardy, what, what would you recommend not doing? Uh, so that's a good question. I've, I've actually never um, dealt with uh with irresponsible general partners. Um, but, you know, you wanna make sure that, you, that you're playing by the rules, you know, in terms of the equity raise and, and, um, and just, you know, going by the book, being honest, being transparent, you know? So I can't say that I've dealt with, you know, inexperienced or irresponsible uh, GPs. Um, and then that, kind of goes back to what I was saying previously is, you know, making sure you're picking the right partners. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I can't think of anything that I would necessarily say, hey, definitely don't do this because I haven't experienced someone in the general partnership doing something that they should not do. Okay. So basically just being open and transparent and and just being open and transparent. Yes. Be honest, be honest with your partners 
be honest with your, um, with your investors, be honest, be transparent. Um, Oh, one thing I can say uh, is that you, that, that I always tell invest, uh, tell my investors and tell my clients, make sure that you underwrite conservatively. So, you know, you want to make sure that, um, that you are not right underwriting aggressively. You want to make sure that if the occupancy drops on that property, that you'll still be able to maintain. You want to make sure that you're underwriting with enough reserves. And if you're in a bridge loan, you want to make sure that you are uh, using a high enough rate for your refinance, right? Because the thing with bridge loans is that you really don't know what your takeout rate is going to be because none of us have a crystal ball, right? But you don't want to be unrealistic in your underwriting expectations um, and, and, you know, future revenues. So if, if I had to offer one piece of advice, um, well, I guess it's more than one piece. Be transparent, be honest, be careful who you partner with, but also be very conservative on your underwriting and your analysis in every deal. Okay, yeah, and that's one thing that I know Mark is very good at pounding into us uh, that at most of the conferences we go to, that yeah, be very conservative, he stresses that, so I know that's Yes, very yes, and yeah. And I think people can appreciate that when we go through things like, you know, 2008 or COVID, <laughs> you know, when, when the, when the um, poop hits the fan, <laughs> for lack of a better word, you want to make sure that, you know, that you can survive through, through anything. You yeah, know, it's, it's not always guaranteed, but, you know, at least you tried your best. Absolutely. Yeah, and even though, so the Montgomery property we closed in December, one of the investors came and said to me, he was happy to see to see that we were still hitting our numbers, especially with the lumber prices rising. Yes. And I, and I went back yes, to him and said, yes. yeah, but that's, that's because we, I mean, we always aim to underwrite very conservatively. So, I mean. Absolutely. Always- Absolutely. That is very important. And you, you got to try to account for everything because, you know, we're all human. We all make mistakes, but. When you're working on a deal, if, if you're being too aggressive, it, it always comes back to haunt you. Definitely. Okay. And um, what do what do you think lenders, what do they like to see in a property that they would invest in or lend towards? What kind of properties do they like to see? Um, well, I can tell you what they don't like to see. So that list would would that list will probably be shorter, but one thing that the, the one thing lenders don't like to see is murders and crimes at a property. That is one thing that can really, really uh, mess us up. So we definitely don't want that. Um, we, uh, they don't like a lot of military and they don't like a lot of student concentration. So anytime you have military concentration or student concentration at a property, you want to make sure that your lending terms are um, addressed up front because those are, those, those are pain points for lenders. When, it, when there's too much military, too much student concentration, or if there's been crime at a property, those are the three things that can really hurt your, your financing. Okay. And I would assume the military and students is because of high unit turnover? 
Exactly. Exactly. And and for students too, it, it also has to do with um um it's it's more temporary, you know, if if those students are on one-year leases and they were able to qualify, you know, with their own income, that's different versus qualifying with mom and dad's income, you know, having a co-signer on the property and they're a full-time student, that can always go awry. So it's considered a higher risk. Um, and then what happens in the summertime, mm, right? Yeah. Because a lot of those students go home. So those are, those are pain points for lenders because they're considered higher risk. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. And Brandy, what kind of time frames are you seeing from inception to closing deals in the last 12 to 18 months? Um, so, you know, it did, it did take a little bit longer during COVID um, to get a deal closed uh, because of the screening process had changed. And, you know, they were really kind of digging into the files. I think they've streamlined the process a little bit better. So um, it, the process is moving a lot faster. Bridge is still 30 days or less. Um, agency is 45 to 60 days. I always say, though, make sure you get enough time in the contract. Even if we say, okay, we can get this done in 30 days or we can get this done in 60 days, you want to make sure you have that buffer because you know we have surveys that we have to do. We have legal due diligence. You have to you know, complete your raise, you know, anything can happen. So you want to make sure you have those extensions built into the contract in the event that you need them. But we are still seeing, you know, less than 30 days on bridge, 45 um, to 60 days on agency um, is what, is what we're saying, is what we're saying. Okay. Yeah. That's not, I mean, yeah, not a bad time frame at all. No, not at all. And so and I'm sure you've been seeing recently, um, we're starting to see inflation tick up. So um, what effects would you think Fed's raising interest rates in 2022 would have on, on the commercial sector? Yeah, so it's hard to say, right? Because um, even though the feds may raise rates in 2022, now they, they did say they would not raise rates for two years. So I'm expecting that to at least go to Q1 of 2023. That's my hope. Mm -hmm. um, but even if they do raise rates, is it, it will not go to, you know, the seven or 8% that we saw years ago, right? So, you know, a 50, 100 basis point raise, you know, even a 200 basis point raise from where we are now, I don't think it's going to affect the industry. You know, it may be that initial shock where it's like, oh, OK, well, we have to adjust <clears throat> for those rates. Now, obviously, I'm a positive person. I'm not pessimistic at all. But um, in the multifamily industry, you know, it is the one asset that consistently performs in down markets, mm -hmm. you know, overall, when you look at the overall picture. And with that said, I still think it's a great investment vehicle for um, investors looking to place capital. So I personally do not think that we're going to see a slowdown due to rates. And I do not see that rates will go, you know, 
if rates jumped up to say seven, eight percent, then you know, maybe so. But if we're looking at five percent interest rates, we were at five percent interest rates, you know, I think in Q4 or Q3 of 2019. Um, we've seen it before. I've, you know, I've seen it in the last six years and it didn't slow us down at all. So I think it will all balance out personally. Okay, and I definitely wholeheartedly agree. I think multifamily is probably one of the best places, if not the best, for investors to put Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right, and so, when Brandy, I know you're very busy. You close a lot of deals, so I'm sure you get a lot of people coming to you to arrange financing. How do how do you ascertain if they have the capability to get the deal across the finish line, so not to waste everyone's precious time? Um, just ask the correct questions up front, right? You know, this is what's required. You know, I always ask. You know. What got you into real estate? What have you done in real estate? Because let's let's discuss your experience now and see what we need to do to make sure that you're prepared. You know, what where where is your net worth and your liquidity in the range of? Well, this is where we need to be. So make sure that when you um, select your partnership, that this is where we're at. And I, I I've never had a problem with that before. You know, so it's just making sure that my clients are well-informed from the very beginning, expectations are set, and they understand what we need to get that deal across the finish line. Okay, so just setting expectations from from the get-go. From the the get-go, correct. Absolutely. All right. What is your sweet spot, Brandy, as far as the size of a deal you're arranging or financing or size of deal that you like to do? Um, I mean, I like to do $500 million deals, but (laughs) 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 Um, I mean, my minimum loan size is 1 million. Um, I typically don't, don't like to go down that low unless it's a, it's a, it's a repeat client. You know, I don't mind doing that for a repeat client because if they're a repeat client, they understand what's required and what we need, you know, um, but, you know, I will, you know, fund deals down to 1 million. Uh, typically I operate in the, you know, five to 30 million space um, mm-hmm. just because that's what I do the most volume on, but not necessarily, not necessarily that I'm capped there. So I will go down to 1 million and I'll loan, you know, I don't have a cap on the loan. It's not my money, right? I'm placing right. the capital, placing the deal. So I have lenders that will, you know, go up to hundred million, go up to 200 million on a deal. And you can arrange lending in all 50 states? Correct. Nationwide, all 50 states. Okay. And have you, I mean, have you arranged financing for anything outside of U.S.? I mean, in, in North America or... So (laughs) that is so funny that you asked that. So, I mean, I, I am, um, I would love to, I would absolutely love to. And I have, uh, you know, made some phone calls, uh, for investors that were purchasing, um, a hotel that was outside of the U S, um, actually two hotels that were outside of the U S 
And um, it didn't work out. You know, I couldn't find anyone that would be willing to do it. it I think that's more of an equity play mm-hmm. and making sure that you um, have a good equity partner that's, that sees your vision of investing overseas, especially now during COVID, you know, and, and the restrictions that are on travel. So, you know, once things loosen up, um, I'm definitely not opposed to it and, and uh, making the connections I need to. But as of right now, no, U.S. has been very good to me. So I'll just stick with this for now. <laughs> yeah, I think it has. Yeah, you're doing a, I know you're doing a very good job for a lot of people. So. Yes. All right. So, Brandy, that's, that's some very valuable information there. So why don't we jump into the lightning round and find out a little more about um, what makes you tick? Okay, let's do it. All right. So what book or books have greatly influenced your life? Uh, well, outside of the Bible, which is probably the most influential, the second for me would be a book called um, The Power of the Subconscious Mind. And I was given that book by a neighbor probably about 20 years ago, um, maybe not quite 20, maybe 15 years ago. And it just changed my life. It just, you know, it was like, it was the secret before the secret. (laughs) (laughs) And the good thing about it is it has scripture references in it. um, So I can actually refer back to my Bible. Um, But it really changed my, my perspective on how your subconscious mind has a lot to do with your success and, and how, how your day goes and how you think and how you act. So getting it trained is very important. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. So a few of my, I like to call them digital mentors, like Randy Gage and um, Napoleon Hill, they're big on like the subconscious and training it. Yes. So and, and yeah, yes. when I started thinking about that and doing that, it's, it's amazing, you know, all the negative means you hear throughout your day and throughout your life. So, yes. So you really start to realize certain people that you need to avoid so they don't infect your subconscious, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to you have to protect your space. I, <laughs> I am so big on that. You yeah. have to protect your space and have the right people around you and just have those that, you know, that positive enforcement for yourself. Um, and it, and, and you, the results are so quick, like you literally, you know, train your brain, you know, make little small steps and, you know, in literally a matter of days, you start seeing a shift, like a paradigm shift happen. So yeah, it's good and, stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely amazing how you can start identifying the negativity that you didn't notice before and, and, correct. and, and sidestep it. Yes. Correct. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Yes. Very good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yes. All right. Now, how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? So I, I think failure is absolutely necessary, right? You have mm-hmm. to fail. <laughs> I think the more you fail, the more successful you are. So failure is very important so that you can achieve that next step. I think you you have to use failure as a um as a stepping stone and as a learning curve and, you know, take it and turn it into positive. Like, okay, I failed on, I failed on this part, but I'm going to try again and I'm going to do it differently this time. Because to me, if you fail and you don't do it differently, 
then you'll just continue to fail, right? You have right. to take that experience and what you did, learn from it and try again. So um, it's definitely helped me in the past when I failed and um, I just said, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this again and I'm going to try it again and I'm going to do it better this time. And it always works out, but it's, you know, persistence is key. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, there is no success without failure, right? That's right. That's right. And the faster you fail, (laughs) the faster you get to success. So don't be afraid of failure. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're not failing, they say you're not, I mean, you're not really taking enough risk if you're not failing. That's right. That's right. All right. So Brandy, if you could have a billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Oh my gosh. Let's see. (sighs) Mm, That's a good question. Let me think about that. A billboard anywhere. What would it say with anything on it? What would it say? Yeah, it could be a short message, advice, anything. Yes, it would say, um, it would say, it would say, try Jesus. That's what it would say. Just give him a try. I don't know. (laughs) That's the only thing I could think of right now. Um, But yeah, other than that, I don't know. That's a good question. Oh, that's a good that's one. A did, good question. Did, you, yeah, um, just, did you grow up in a um, strong Christian household? I did. I did. I grew up in a strong Christian household and I try to instill that in my in my children as well. So, yeah, God is important to me. So that that's the one thing I would say, because we need him right now in this mm-hmm. in this world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes. It's definitely some stuff going on we need help with. Woo, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, very good. And, and Brandy, in recent years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? So one thing that recently helped me was um, I used to, so in the, in the mornings, you know, I take my time to meditate and um you know, just reflect. And, you know, I have a gratitude journal that I write in. Um, And I learned this from my dear friend Keely um, in her sales program. And I would always say the I am's and the affirmations. And I, I had that in my routine every day, but I never wrote it down. Right. I would, it was, it was written once and then I would just say it every day. Right. Well, um, when I started her program back in October, her sales coaching program, you wouldn't think that this would be associated with sales, but I promise you it is. And it is just amazing. But I started to um, she told me to write it down. She said, write down your affirmations every morning. And oh, my gosh, did it cause like it just it was amazing. I can't. (laughs) So if you're a person that. If you're a person that does your affirmations every day anyway, and you you do your I am's or, you know, you have different things that you say to yourself, your confession, whatever it is that, that you do, if you write it down, there is so much power in putting pen to paper. 
And I, I think people take that for granted because I took it for granted, right? I, I was like, well, that's a lot to write every day, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, it is amazing. So that is the one habit that recently improved my life. Okay. Yeah. And I've, I, I've seen that in so many books and I've read about that. I mean, I meditate every morning, but yes, I, I read about the affirmation and the journals, the gratitude journals, but yeah, I never have started doing that. So maybe that's something I should, I should. You should at. try it. You should try it. I'm telling you, it is, it is amazing. It is amazing. And um, I've actually started my kids on my girls. You know, I started them doing it. I'm like, you guys need to do yeah. this. Just write it out just write it out. Yeah. Now they don't do it every day. Like I would like them to do, but like once a week and it, it just, re- it's, it just reaffirms it. And it's just, it's powerful. It just, it gives it more power. Yeah. And of course that Miss Keeley is just, just amazing. I want to have her put together right. a sales program for my, for my business actually. So yeah, she's, she's so awesome. Oh man, she is amazing. Let me tell you, if, if you, if you have her do that, your agents will, will be explosive. Trust me. Yeah. I don't know where she gets it from. I don't know what Tracy and his <laughs> wife were putting in her food, but yeah, she is. Yeah, she's I know. I always ask them like, how did you, how did you do it? Cause they've got three girls. I've got three girls. I'm like, help me. <laughs> help me because you got some amazing um offspring here even though i don't want to leave their son out but he is too but yeah um they're 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 an amazing family yeah they are a lot of those guys yeah all right so a few more and i'm gonna let you get out of here okay all right so what are some bad recommendations you hear in your day-to-day for people new to commercial real estate Oh my gosh. Okay. My number one pet peeve is the brokers, the finance brokers who post on LinkedIn and Facebook incorrect information. I don't care what, what it, what it is about. It is usually about an, a, a program and they're given the wrong information. Um, I had so during COVID, there was so much misinformation shared and it really became a pain point for me. <laughs> so it was it was incorrect information on COVID reserves. It was incorrect information on replacement reserves, interest reserves, um, interest rates, you know, what a lender will and will not do. And it's like they're they're trying to sell the audience on it will happen no matter what, right? When really it's a case-by-case scenario. So you can't guarantee it. Right. And so there's always that conflict because I always give my clients the best and the worst case scenario. But then they go on LinkedIn and they go on Facebook and they're like, oh, yeah, I saw this and I saw this person post this. And I'm like, oh, my God, please don't believe it. Don't believe. Yeah. Don't believe anything, anything you hear. So that is one thing that that was really bad for me was, you know, the different programs, the different rates and and it's not available to everyone, right? So if you're going to put the information out there, if, if, you're going, if you're going to share that information, you have to put the disclaimer. It's not available to everyone and they don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunate as well. Yes. Okay, and um, in recent years, I, I think this is a good one too. In recent years, what have you become better at saying no to? Anything I don't want to do. <laughs> there you go. 
No, I'm, I'm so serious. I had like this aha moment about five years ago. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do anything I don't want to do. Whatever that is, whatever that is, just don't do it. Life yeah. is too short to be unhappy. You know, you need to do things that make yourself happy. And um, yeah, if I don't want to do it, I'm just not going to do it. Now, unless it's my, my children, because, you know, that's a different, <laughs> that's different, you know, <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, whatever I, I'll say, whatever it is, I don't want to do. If it doesn't make me happy, if it gives me angst, if it makes me anxious or uh, uneasy or, you know, if I'm uncomfortable, I, I just won't do it. Now, was that was that challenging to transition into? Because that's something I've been working on as well through my self-development process. But it's easier said than done, right? Because you, I mean, you're brought up to please people and serve people. So was that was that a hard, yeah. challenging transition to make? No, it was not because, um, long like long story short, you know, I could tell you this story when we when we see each other one day. <laughs> <laughs> but long story long story short, I I lost um, my mom in 2009, and um, she was going through kidney failure, but the kidney failure was caused by um, constant high blood pressure from stress. Mm. And I told myself that I would, I would never let myself get to that point of stress because I watched her do it and I don't want to do that to myself. And so um, I had this aha moment where you see yourself getting stressed, you see yourself um, doing things that you don't want to do. And, um, you have to like, take a step back and say, you know what, I'm not going to do it. So for me, it wasn't a hard transition. When I saw the pattern arise that I had seen before with her, I said, I, the, the buck stops here. I've got to make the change. And so it was kind of overnight for me. And I don't, I don't do the people pleasing. I don't know. I don't do that anymore. And it just it just feels so good, right? When you say that word no, it's just so yes. and, and empowering, right? Yes, yes. And my kids will tell you I'll probably say no more than yes because they they watch that um yes movie on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, it's called that. Yes Day. You uh, know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know. And I they know. were like, they were like, Mom, can we do a yes day? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We cannot do that. <laughs> But, but yes, no, you, you got to do it, but right. Because, you know, if you don't say no, those same, you know, those same people and situations will remain and you'll be sick or either not here, right. To live your, and not be able to live your life and they'll still be doing the same thing they always did. So for for me, it it was easy. I was just like, no, I'm not, not going to do this anymore. So it's imperative to your health. Definitely. And, and, and that's, I mean, nothing's more important than that, right? Your health is your wealth. So Correct. Absolutely. Said. Yes, correct. All right. Excellent. All right. And last one, Ms. Shotwell. Yes. So when you're feeling, when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do? I actually take a break. I take a break. And I just sit and be still and gather my thoughts because I think um, overwhelm is usually because your thoughts are not in line with what you need to do and you really can't think straight, right? 
Mm-hmm. So it sounds crazy that if you're overwhelmed to stop and not just keep going until you finish, you really do need to stop. You need to stop, gather your thoughts. That's what I do. I stop, I gather my thoughts, I take notes on what I'm thinking and just take deep breaths. And that pulls me right back together and then I can go back to it. Yeah. Okay, very good. Yeah, and that deep breaths, I mean, that breathing, that's another one. Breathing is so crucial. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yep. All right, very good stuff, Brandy. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights and wisdom with us. Absolutely. I was it was it was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And and before we jump off, I mean, I, I know you're you're very well known, but if anybody's I, I want to tell the listeners if anybody is doing multifamily and they don't have you as a part of their financing strategy, they should be reaching out. So if somebody wanted to connect and collaborate with you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? So I would say the best way to reach me would be to go to my website because there is my phone number, my email, and a lot of helpful information, actually. So my website address is Reno. R-E-N-O-C-M for capitalmarkets.com. Renocm.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah, guys. So yeah, if you're having trouble getting financing, um, you definitely need to reach out to Miss Shotwell. I mean, if she can't get it done, it probably can't be done. So you guys That's should definitely right. be reaching out to her. All Thank right, Brandy. You. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm, I hope to see you soon when I'm back in Austin and um yeah, we'll definitely be connecting and um, let's connect and chat. Absolutely. We got. We have to do that. Have to do that. So call me when you come back this way. All right. Will do. You have a nice day. Thanks again for joining okay, us. Okay. You too. All Thank right, take, you. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the Books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com, and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves.